0: Show you a better way. Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is January the 10th, 2017. This is episode 1928 of the Survival Podcast. It's Tuesday, so it's just me, it's just Jack, and we are going to talk about liberty today. But we're going to talk about it from a different way than I've talked about it a lot of times in the past. Today's title of today's show is, Do People Really Want Freedom? Do people really want freedom? So I'm going to I'm gonna turn that on its head for a second and ask you, do you really want freedom? And some of you are like, yes. And some of you are like, yes, and you know where I'm coming from. Some of you know where I'm coming from. And you want to say yes, but you're hesitant because you know what's going to come later in the show and you're going to be challenged as to whether you mean it when you say you want freedom and liberty. And some of you are new to this show and haven't really listened before and thinking, what is this guy talking about? Of course everybody wants freedom. Of course everybody wants liberty. Don't be so sure. So this question the question today really is in two parts. Do you want freedom? Do you want liberty? And then, assuming even that you do, do you think most people want to be truly free? If your answer to that is yes, and I say, well, hold on, and think for 30 seconds, and just imagine I paid 30 seconds of of Jeopardy! music, and you have a little bit of a deep thought about the question, do people in general really want real freedom? If you answer an affirmative yes, I don't know that you've examined the population and the decisions that it makes. Or maybe you haven't truly examined what the words freedom and liberty are actually supposed to mean yet. Today we're going to take that challenging journey. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Guys, right now, do you know I have personally about a hundred trees, vines, and bushes from Bob Wells Nursery on my property? Over time, they will produce season after season of edible products. They look great too. Bob Wells is always my first choice when buying new trees, vines, and shrubs for my permaculture work. Check them out at BobWellsNursery.com today. Hey folks, when I started TSP over 8 years ago now, the first company to ever offer to sponsor the show was SafeCastle. And they've remained a loyal sponsor ever since February of 2009. And did you know they give away a lifetime discount membership to all MSB members? They do. And that can save you big money on everything you could imagine for your prepping needs. And with SafeCastle, I do mean everything. Check out SafeCastle.com today to learn more. And our TSP Business Directory supporter of the day is Viking and Weaver. They're a very unique small business right out of our community that specialize in Viking drinking horns and other handmade items. Check out their Etsy store by following the link on the TSP Business Directory. So if you've ever wanted your very own Viking drinking horn, especially for your mead, and if you're a mead maker, you gotta have one. Check these guys out, Viking and Weaver. You'll find them in today's show notes and in the business directory as well. Remember, your business can be found at TSPbiz.com too for as little as five bucks for every six months of listing. And there's some other options there that give you more prominence. All right, next up, let's uh, take a look at the year that was the episode. Of the year it is 1928, because the episode's 1928. And I have two for you for Alex Shrugged. I go on vacation and discover penicillin and killing for communism. That's right, Alex. Today we'll be killing for communism. There are many categories. Yeah, I'm just a little... Jagged up today, because I'm happy. Notable births today. Ellie Weasel, author of Night, an account of his suffering in Nazi concentration camps, was born this year. Hosni Mumbach, who is still alive, president of Egypt after Amor Sadat was overthrown in 2011. Che Guevara, communist cultural icon and mass murderer of the Cuban revolutions. If you don't know who he is, he's the the, the bearded dude that's in all the young kids' shirts, so they have no idea who the hell he is. They just think he's cool. Because they're idiots. And Jack Kevorkian is born this year, labeled Dr. Death for utilizing his patients upon request and eventually convicted of second-degree murder. And in entertainment, Shirley Temple is born this year, child star and U.S. Ambassador to Ghana and later Czechoslovakia. I bet a lot of people don't know that. Uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, will create the show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I freaking loved Mr. Rogers when I was – l- I'm talking a little kid, like four years old, five years old. I loved Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers is responsible for me wanting to be a freaking astronaut and, 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 and really thinking I was going to do that and promising my grandmother I was going to bring her back uh, moon rocks to make earrings out of, such as the imagination of a child that we squander in our education system. Anyway, Philip K. Dick is also born this year. That is a sci-fi author whose works will become movies like Braid Runner, Minority Report, Paycheck, and The Adjustment Bureau. And Eddie Fisher, pop singer and father of actress Carrie Fisher. Uh, In other news, Bambi, A Life in the Woods, is published in English. Mickey Mouse appears in Steamboat Willie. And a daily TV program begins. WRGB is broadcasting from Shedderneck... Shedder... I can't say that word. Sheknatati, New York. So daily TV programming begins this year, where we have daily programming on televisions, programming the minds of Americans. That's why they call it programming, because it programs you. I had a hard time deciding between <clears throat> these two. I'm going to read Killing for Communism, because I think it's important, because it's it's part of the whole world war that's on the way and really heading toward us like a Mack truck at this point in history. Trotsky has been removed from the Soviet leadership, removed from the Communist Party, and banished by Stalin. Stalin might be insane, but a man with that much power can make his opinion stick, especially when the secret police is backing him up. Unfortunately for Stalin, one of his senior secret policemen has defected to the West. He says he has fallen in love with a teacher, but Stalin's personal secretary, another man, has also defected. It seems that no those that know him best don't want to know him. Stalin will send out assassins to take care of these counter-revolutionaries, and in time even murder Trotsky. Lenin boasted of shooting thousands. Stalin will murder millions. In fact, the only person in the world who will murder more people than Stalin will be Mao Zedong of China. But Mao is not ready to take the world stage yet. Mao has just won his first battle. As a commander, before he puts the county chief to death by piercing him with spears, Mao recites a poem he has written to commemorate the event. Watch us kill the bad landlords today. Aren't you afraid? It's knife slicing upon knife. Nice guy. My take by Alex Shrugged, I'm unhappy with fascist, communist, socialist, progressives, Maoist Stalinists. They're all not the same thing, but they're similar and often difficult to tell apart. I found it odd that Ben Stein, the economist, intellectual, and co-star of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, was criticized for depicting Darwinists as Nazi murderers in his documentary Expelled and No Intelligence Allowed. In fact, the images Ben Stein showed in the movie were of East Germany, a communist country, not Nazi Germany. The socialist revolution of the Nazis, the malice, the Stalinists, the Leninists, and even President Woodrow Wilson were attempting to build a new modern man gener- genetically pure, Ideologically constant and devoid of a soul, everyone else could be expelled. In other words, what all governments want is obedience. That's what they want. They want obedient servants obedient slaves. That's what governments want. And they just use different mechanisms to get it. It's like choosing your form of cancer when it comes to choosing from the state. And I'll, I'll leave it at that today for my thoughts, because we'll just jump right into it. Because, well, it's kind of the theme we're going to talk about. But if you've ever wanted to really know the story of where penicillin came, it saved millions upon millions of lives instead of taking them. Well, it did come from the market rather than the government. And you can read that by going to today's uh, TSP Wiki history entry. For the episode uh, for the year 1928, link in the show notes as always. And remember, at TSP Wiki, you too can be a contributor. Uh, you can get over there and you can help us build this out. This is like the encyclopedia of self sufficiency, self reliance. It really is it's survivalism and prepping and permaculture, history, you name it. And you might think you don't have nothing nothing to contribute, but you do. You know things. Just kind of check things out. And you think I don't know how to edit a wiki? Yeah, you do because there's videos that show you exactly how. So all you can do is watch them and then you know. And it's so easy, even I can do it. Um, and before I, I pile into today's show, I want to remind you again that yesterday I, I did a fantastic interview on the Vin Armani show. I, I'd never heard of this guy before. Apparently he had some Showtime reality show about gigolos. Uh, I, I don't know how he decided to get into what he's doing right now, but he's a super nice guy. He's very intelligent. And I, you know, after I was asked to be on the show, I went and listened to some of his shows because I think if you're going to be on somebody's show, it makes sense to know who you're going to be on the air with and, and be able to speak to their audience. And it turned out he's very new to this. He's doing about one show a week, and he was up to, like, episode 12, including me. Um, so I, I wasn't sure when I saw that how, how good his show was going to be. It's got a lot of production value. Uh, he does about an hour of kind of like current events and news and, and, and real news, which is the, you know, the, the opposite of fake news, which is what you get on CNN and Fox News and, and what have you, and uh, really breaks it down, very thoroughly researched. He's got to have some people really helping him with that because, I mean, it is fantastic, and then he usually has a guest for the second half of the show, so it's a two-hour show. He streams them live on Facebook. Uh, they're also available on Periscope. And eventually, I found out today that like the day after, they end up on YouTube. And he has an audio podcast that seems to have a lag with getting his content into the audio podcast. I guess he probably has somebody doing his editing for him and what have you. But that should be the easy one to do, just like convert to MP3 and upload. But whatever, man. Um, so you can subscribe to the audio on Stitcher and on iTunes. I put out a post today. And just consider checking this guy out because – I think we have a new voice in the world of volunteerism and anarchism, and I think that's a good thing. And and what I liked about what I've heard from Vin so far is he seems very much like me as I'm an anarchist, but I'm a pragmatist. This is what we have for now, and while I'm not going to participate in it any more than I absolutely have to, if you want it to be better, these are things that make it better, and here's the truth about what you're being lied about. So I, I dig that, and I dig the way that he backs up his claims with facts and sources. That that's that's awesome. So check him out Vin Armani Show at Vinarmani.com. Alright, so let's get into today's show. Today's show is again called Do People Really Really Want Freedom? And I I personally think the word freedom has been risen almost like a holy status in our society. Like it's a worship word. There's actually an old an old Star Trek you know like William Shatner Star Trek right so way back then and it was the combs and something else and the, the combs ended up being like an analog to the communists and it was like a a second earth and there were these people who were dressed like Native Americans but they were like all blonde haired and blue eyed and white and, and they spoke like a something kind of like a like a pigeon uh, Native American language and uh then the combs were like these Chinese guys with conical hats right and in this interaction the 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 Liberty people, I guess you'd call them, uh, hear Kirk say freedom or liberty. I don't remember which one. And he says, that's a worship word. How do you know that word? That's our worship. So even though they spoke a different language, the word was the same, right? And I think it's like almost like that. You see it like somebody completely loses their shit because some ass clown, some jagoff, burns an American flag, some like dime store flag. They went into a, a shop and bought that if they didn't buy, likely nobody would have bought it, would have been thrown in the garbage and, and crushed with a truck. Cause it's like, a, it's, it's not like a flag that goes over a courthouse or something. It's just like this, this $2, you know, plastic crap from China and people lose their shit over it. Well, unless you're assigning religious level sacredness to something like that, it doesn't make sense to lose your shit over that. And that makes me question how much people really want freedom. And they'll say, well, people fought for your right. And people died for your right for that freedom. Assuming that's even actually factual, then why are they wrong for exercising it? You may disagree with them, but you're saying they're fundamentally like they shouldn't do it at all. You have the right to it, but you shouldn't do it. Even though you're not harming anybody's own property. Now, I know some of you this is a touchy subject for. Many of you served in the military. Many of you are actively serving in the military, and I served in the military. And I, in in spite of my my changing political dynamic over the years, I still have pride in my service because I know that some of the things I did actually helped people. Um, I people, do you join the army to go kill brown people? First of all, nobody even said those words when I joined the army. It was a long ass time ago. Most of you people that say that shit, you were picking your nose, or or you having somebody else wipe your ass, or you weren't even born yet. So just put that shit on the shelf. But in, in my service, I went to, to, to third-world Central American countries and sacrificed a part of my youth and, and fixed trucks that were used to build roads and schools. So that what we did was more like what the Peace Corps does. You can just shove that in your ass, just, just as a side note there. But because of that, you have this pride in being an American. And I'll tell you, I have no allegiance to the state, but I have allegiance to the ideal of America. I believe is the finest ideal of freedom and liberty ever put up, that ever had, a, that was ever mainstream, that ever existed as a thing, not just an idea. I think we can do better, but real voluntarism, real anarchism, other than tribal societies, has never really been given a shot. America was given a shot, and the people that were supposed to be the sentinels of that shot, us, we laid down on the job. We let our freedom be taken away, and that's a big part. Of why I think we don't really want freedom the way that we say we do. So understand, I actually want to start out so that I don't lose you guys. With Let's acknowledge the places where we do have more freedom than a lot of the rest of the world. Speech. We have more freedom of speech than they do in Canada. There's, there's hate crime legislation in Canada. I don't know if they call it that now. But we're like, if you don't address a transgendered person properly, you can be charged with a crime. In fricking Canada. I mean, we're not talking about the, 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 the regimes of, of, of shitholes like Saudi Arabia and, and, and Qatar and Iran yet. We're talking about freaking Canada. You don't call the person Z or, or whatever the hell they want to be called and they tell you that and you, you ignore it and you hurt their feelings, you'd be charged with a crime? Oh, screw off. You you Canadians are nuts that you let your government do this shit to you. I guess, you know, we shouldn't talk too loud, though, because, boy, we're going to get into what this government does to us, and we lay down and take it like we like it. That's what we're going to get into today. But we do have more freedom of speech than most countries. Not all. There's some that are probably on par with us, but most. I don't know that there's any that would have more freedom of speech than we do in America, specifically protected freedom of speech. Because one thing to say you can say whatever you want but if you live in a country where well the government officially won't do anything, but if you say some shit that's wrong and people come murder you and no one will do anything about it, that's not exactly freedom of speech either. Or more accurately, if somebody tries to do something to defend you, the government will intervene against that, but they'll just ignore it when you're being, uh, you know, having your throat cut with a machete because you did something that is culturally uh, offensive in that society. And there are places like that still today on the planet. The next place we have more freedom than than just about any country in the world that I know of, uh, in, in true freedom, there is is the right to keep and bear arms, gun rights. Um, I guess there are some countries that are kind of like war torn and everybody walks around with a gun and nobody does anything about it unless they're the other side and then they shoot at each other. But when it comes to a, a modern developed nation that you'd actually want to live in, I don't personally know of a nation with more more rights of gun owners than the United States. And the biggest egregious uh, intrusions into those rights doesn't come from our federal government. It comes from state governments. And we'll talk about how that plays out today and the whole question, do people really want freedom, when we look at some other things that have to do with going to lower tiers of government. We also have more freedom in the ability to build a business. There's probably not another nation out there where it's as easy for a person to just start up a business without interference and without, you know, buying off politicians and whatever. Now, we have a litany of regulations that are unfriendly to business, especially at big business levels and manufacturing and things like that. Uh, the environmental codes alone are ridiculous, and I'm, I'm all for protecting the environment, but there's. It should be a very easy thing to know whether you're doing it right or not. You shouldn't have to employ a team of people to make sure and file ten cabillion reports to prove that you're doing what you say you're doing. Uh, but when it comes to like, if you want to start up a business and you want to, you know, do anything that the average individual entrepreneur want to do, and just build a concern that you know, you know, makes you from fifty to a million dollars, fifty thousand to a million dollars a year. There's probably not another nation with as much freedom to do that and as much opportunity to do that as America. In fact, a lot of people, when they do start businesses today in other parts of the world, the biggest market they're concerned with selling to is us. It's us. So we have that going for us in a big way from a freedom standpoint. And we have probably, I would say the greatest, but we have extreme... Freedom compared to the global average with our ability to practice a religious faith or completely abstain from religion. Th- those are two, you know, different camps that should be completely on board with that freedom together. And, and there's a lot of times there's friction between those camps. I'm not talking about believers and atheists. They seem to have the most friction. Well, they should completely embrace the freedom for both sides in that regard. And religious people. Should be as much for keeping religion out of government as as, as atheists are, because when you when you put religion in government, it is only a matter of time before government intrudes on religion. But you know we do have that freedom, and people say, well, there's a war on Christmas or whatever. Just shut up because somebody told you Happy Holidays. Maybe that's what they wanted to say. Maybe you should just be happy. Somebody said nice something nice to you, And, and, and start. You know, if you want to believe in freedom, then that person should have the freedom to say anything to you. As long as it isn't, you know, shut up and give me your money like your government does. All right, so on that note, let's define freedom. Let's start out with what what pure freedom is. And this is somewhat opinion. I can't tell you this is absolute fact. Because it's coming from my personal place of perception and confirmation bias. And no matter how hard we work to be clear of those things, we have them. We all do. But to me, pure freedom, whether I agree with it or not, pure freedom is that no one can tell you what to do unless you're harming another person. And you have no right to tell anybody else what to do unless they're harming another person. You have no right to their property. You have no right to anything. Pure freedom means that you are just allowed to do anything you want... up until the point that you're harming another individual. That's actually a pretty easy definition. But the, the problem is that most people don't define freedom that way. So when, when you say to somebody, are you, are, are you pro-freedom? Well, of course I am. But if you give them that definition I just gave you... well, maybe, and they start humming and hawing... and they start thinking about scenarios... So, you know, an example would be, should Jim over there be free to smoke pot? And a lot of people are like, sure, I'll give a damn. There's a whole lot of people that say, you know, freedom is a worship word. that think Jim should not be able to smoke a plant. And Jim should be put in a cage for smoking a plant. Because what freedom actually means to them is people should be able to do all the things that they want as long as I think they're acceptable. So it's okay to to, to outlaw things if I or the majority of people or even a significant majority of people just feel that people shouldn't do that. And that's where the conflict comes from, where people are claiming to be pro-freedom and they're for all of these draconian laws that make it legal, in air quotes, for people in a costume with with a tin badge to come kidnap you And falsibly imprison you against your will because you've done nothing that you can actually consider a crime because there's no victim. Anything that a person does without a victim, and and that we use the power of the state to find them, to incarcerate them. If you can't point to a victim for me, you don't have a you don't have a crime to prosecute. Even as a pragmatist, instead of an anarchist, as a as a pragmatist in our society. Putting on my libertarian suit, you gotta show me in this system who was victimized by this action. And the person victimizing themselves, well, if that's true to a degree, then maybe we can look at some kind of treatment or something for them if it, if it really is a problem for them. But if you can't show me who was harmed because of what they did, I don't have a crime. You're not gonna, you wouldn't get a, a guilty vote for me if I were on a jury if I was ever selected and then not thrown out, because I think I'd be thrown out pretty quick. But that's how most people define freedom. And you have to understand that conflict to understand what we're up against, those of us that are are actually for freedom and liberty. So let's talk about what freedom means today, what real freedom means. So everybody wants to talk about, well, this is what I get when you talk about freedom, what, what, what I'm able to do. But for you to have that type of freedom, the first thing you have to understand is you have no right to anything rightfully acquired by another person in a true system of liberty and freedom. If I uh, go out on land that's agreed as common land, whether it's through the public park system, whatever, and uh, under whatever regulations or agreements exist between people, and I go out there and I go out and pick a whole bunch of apples and I come home with a basket of apples... Just because you're hungry? Just because you didn't go pick your own apples? Just because you're not physically able to pick your own apples? doesn't matter. You would have no right to my apples. That doesn't mean I won't give you any. But you certainly have no right to my rightfully acquired property. If I go work for somebody under a, a, an agreement, a contract, an employment contract, and I do my job, and they give me money... I did what I said I would do. They got what they expected. They paid me what I expected. Both of us are happy. You have no right to interfere with our arrangement. You have no right to tell me how I should do my job, how much money I should be willing to do my job for, how much that guy has to pay me. You have no right to demand from me a portion of my earnings, my labor. And call it a tax. You have no right to go to my employer and say you have to match part of the tax that he pays. You have no right to that in a, in a true free and liberated society. None. If you think you do, you don't want freedom. Because what you've said, what you've said is that it's okay to steal. You can't have freedom and theft. You have in a free society, no one should ever take away anything from anyone against their will if it's rightfully acquired. That's the little footnote. Anything rightfully acquired should be retained by the person who acquired it until such time as they choose to sell it, to give it away, to burn it. And I, what amazes me is that people have actually been hypnotized. And programmed so perfectly that they actually will defend theft with my roads. But we got to have roads. Okay, let's assume that we need some form of revenue for roads. We probably do. Just because you need a road doesn't mean you could justify theft. Let's turn it around. So what you're saying is it's okay for the government to tax gasoline to build roads. I'm actually less offended by gas tax than property tax and income tax. It's a consumption tax. You only pay if you use it. It's part of the cost. There's better ways, but it's, it's the, one of the, the less offensive taxes to me. But I'll still explain the problem to you. A person starts up a business. They put in a gas station. Much like my, fa- my father built his first business with a gas station. And he also sold used tires, which is where he made a hell of a lot more money because you don't make much money on gas. Well, he put in a gas station. He invested a tremendous amount of money. I think it was about $35,000 to open a Shell station in a really shitty part of Jacksonville, Florida. And it was at $35,000 in like 1979, I think was when he did this, was a hell of a lot more money than it is today. He killed himself working overtime in construction to save up that money to go out and make cut a deal with Shell And pay for certain certifications so he could open up a service station under the Shell brand. After he did that, he began selling gasoline to the public. He's a private business selling to the general public. Person pulls in, in a car, pumps fuel into the car. There's a number at the end of it. Let's say the guy puts 20 bucks in. He gives my dad and Andrew Jackson a $20 bill. The government then says, you owe us $4 out of that. You could either look at it as theft from the consumer or theft from the provider, but the best way to look at it is theft from bro- both. The man paid $4 more for his gas because you t- you, you you made a compa- you made a situation where that was it was not able you nobody was able to do anything otherwise. And that man could have either bought $16 worth of gas and got just as much gas Or you could have bought $20 worth of gas, and the extra dollars would have stayed in my father's business. Either way, you've stolen it. And people say, well, we have to do this. Okay, well, there's a lot of things we need, but most people are really opposed to eminent domain. We need a road. Okay, fine, let's build a road. Well, this guy's property's in the way. We'll see if he wants to sell. He doesn't want to sell. Okay, go around his property. It's going to cost more money, it's going to do this, it's going to do that. We'll just take it from it. And most people lose their shit over eminent domain. And you should. Because you can identify the individual wrongdoing. It hasn't been spread out across all of society to hypnotize you into believing that it's okay. I mean, the other thing that real freedom means is you're solely responsible for your own needs. Nobody else is responsible for your needs. I have no obligation to provide anything to you other than what you and I mutually agree to for beneficial relationships. That doesn't mean there's no moral obligation. But that moral obligation is individually determined. I'll choose who I help, how and when, based on my ability and what my perceived needs are, and the worthiness of that the, the people whom I help. But you have no right to it. And that means you're, you're, you're entitled to nothing. You're entitled to nothing in a free society. You're entitled to freedom in a free society. So access to certain things, not being held back, not being excluded by coercion. But you want water, you have to see to whatever is necessary to get you water. But water is a human right. I believe access to human water is a human right. But if you if you have a right to water, if you have an actual right to water and you end up living in a place where there is no water, then somebody has obligated to put water in a bucket and bring it to you. That's what you're saying. You have no such rights in a free society. You are solely responsible for your own needs. You have no right to interfere with the actions of another person unless they're harming somebody. So if, if you see somebody that is you know doing something you find objectionable, but they're not really hurting anybody, you have no right to interfere. Do we get to certain moral quandaries? Do you see a person that's clearly about to kill himself? Do you have a right to interfere? I would say you probably have a moral obligation, but I don't know that you have a right. Those can actually be different things. The right of interference, I don't know. I don't know how I would phrase that. If, if I saw somebody that I thought was gonna off themselves, I would think this is a decision that if they, if they go through with it, they can't change their mind. And I would feel a moral obligation to try to impede that, because if they really wanna die, my stopping it that one time won't prevent them from eventually accomplishing it. But it may give them the opportunity to, to think that is this is, this is really what I want. But if I see somebody, again, I'll just use the one thing, because it's an easy thing, smoking a doobie, and I don't think you should be smoking a doobie. Unless you're on my property, I don't have anything I can say about that. It's not my business. Even if I think it's a bad idea. Because I'll put it to you this way. I think smoking tobacco, cigarettes, is far more harmful than marijuana. To your long-term health. Simply because... I've known a lot of people in my life that smoke pot. I've never known anybody that would have smoked the equivalent of a pack or two packs a day of marijuana cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Most of the, the people that I know that, that that use marijuana don't even do it daily. You know, it's it's like a, a weekend and Wednesday night thing or something like that for them. Uh, or if they do use it daily, it's like a certain time of day. I, I don't. I'm sure there's some people out there, but the, the average pot user is not blitz from the. They don't wake up in the morning like I was in the army. Mm-hmm. I had a roommate. I, I really didn't like this because uh, you could smoke at the barracks, and there's really nothing I could say about it. But, you know, the alarm clock goes off, you know, about 30 minutes before PT. It's still pitch dark outside, and, you know, you get up, and you, you learn to, to function in the dark. You don't want to turn the lights on right away. It hurts your eyes. So you learn to function in what lighting is there, the light coming under the, the, the door from the common space outside and what have you. And I'd sit up and, you know, start to get my stuff out, and I'd hear, Shh, there's the lighter, and you'd see the glowing ember of the cigarette. The second the guy got out of bed, he was smoking a cigarette. And he would smoke right up until PT started. And as soon as we're done with a PT run, trying to be in shape, first thing he'd do is light a cigarette smoking a cigarette, and all day long. I, I've never met anybody that smokes pot that way. So I think cigarette tobacco is one of the leading causes of death in our country. I think tobacco in the form of cigarettes, when it burns at high temperature, the nicotine, that's uh, released with that, is one of the most addictive substances on the planet. I think it's horrible. But I have no right to tell you you can't smoke. I have no right to pass a law that says because this is bad for you that you can't smoke. I drink alcohol. Some of you feel more passionately that any amount of alcohol is wrong than than I do about tobacco cigarettes. That doesn't mean you have a right to, to reinstate prohibition on, on alcohol so so what makes something like pot immune to that? Because most people would agree with what now there's some there's some zealots out there oh that boo should be illegal, it should be it's terrible uh, you know and they're, they're, I can't even talk to that person. they're too far gone. they're too far gone. They're not ready for what we're talking about today. but most of you are would not be those of you that are opposed to legalization of marijuana out there. Wouldn't, would not be for the prohibition of alcohol or tobacco. You gotta think about the conflict there. Cause if you want to talk cancer rates and emphysema and everything, it doesn't even get close to the, the health risks of the two in the pattern that they're generally used. Because cigarettes are so addictive. So addictive. Hmm. Um, so my question is, do you really want freedom? When we analyze it like this, when we break it down like this, and and instead of talking about all the things that you can do or you can have, we talk about all the things you have to be okay with other people doing. And some of you are like, yes, Jack, yes, I know, I've heard this from you before, yes, I want freedom. Okay, fine. But do you think others want freedom? Do you think others want freedom? Because I don't believe that most people want freedom, and I believe I have proof that the majority of people in in this country, I would say about 10% of us, And it may be less than that, but about I I would guess at the 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 optimistic high end, ten percent of Americans are legitimately libertarian. Not they'll pop libertarian on a on a a quiz or something like that, you know, a ten question quiz online or something. Um, But if you actually have the deeper conversation about what that all means, and basically adhering to the non-interventionist principle. 80% 80% of the way, but not the other 20% that would take them to volunteerism and anarchism. About 10% are libertarian. And, and my other side of that, all real anarchists, all real voluntarists are libertarians, but not all libertarians are anarchists or voluntarists, is what I believe. Because I believe that libertarianism in its pure form would lead you to voluntarism, would lead you to anarchism. Because since the principle... Is non intervention. Or non aggression, I'm sorry, the non-aggression principle. The act of taxing a person is an aggression. It's an aggression against them. Especially if they have no way around it. They they, they can't choose another option. They can't choose to abstain. So so libertarians generally hang on to it a little bit. But if our nation was run by libertarians, it'd be badass. My fear is it would create such prosperity that the resulting government would dwarf what we have now long-term. But for the time being, it would be great. I would make that deal in a heartbeat. A true libertarian society, yeah. Not even a pure one that I want, but just the 10%, if that type of person was the mindset running America, man, that would be great. But that means 90% aren't. 90% aren't. And they divide about 45-45 on both sides of the false dichotomy. Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. Different flavors of anti-liberty. Each side choosing what to encroach on. With conservatives generally encroaching more on social liberties and liberals encroaching more on financial and fiscal liberties. And it's very easy once you segment off the majority of society and believing they have to cling on to one side of that dichotomy to just split them right down the middle. Because what it will come down to is which, which oppressions are more important to them or which liberties are more important to them. There will be people that will be gravitating toward other people shouldn't be allowed to, and that will push them to one side. And there's people that will say other people should be allowed to. And that'll that'll pull them to the side that supports that, or at least appears to support that. But I'm just telling you right now, it's ninety percent don't. You don't believe me? Okay. First of all, my number one proof that people don't want liberty is the existence of homeowners associations (HOAs). That I mean, that, there there is nothing that could prove further that people don't want freedom and liberty than than an HOA. Now let me flip this around as much as I hate HOAs and, and, and tell you where I would think HOAs would be a sign of liberty and freedom. If the premise was, we should have HOAs replace city and county intrusion on the property rights, then I would think they'd be a fine libertarian tool. Because there would be a whole litany of of, of property owners and homeowners associations competing, and people would form natural relationships based on what they wanted. This little place over here would be full of chickens. Because the kind of people that want to raise chickens in their backyard, they would go there. And then this place over here, well, they wouldn't have any chickens. They would have manicured uh, true green chemlons. Because those kind of people would go there. But with the already draconian oversight of multi-levels of government. Because in general, at the residential level you have a city and a county level of oversight and some level of a state oversight. You have three freaking levels of government. And what HOAs are is the person that says, even though there's already all these rules and regulations, we just don't have enough government, we need more. And if HOAs were the exception, I would say this is a society that in general wants more freedom. But it's got to the point where almost every new development is an HOA. You can't find a house built that's less than 10 years old anymore that's not an HOA unless it was individually built. I'm talking about a development where a builder goes in and builds 20 or 200 houses and sells them off as new properties. They're all HOAs, and people are happy about it. And people's solution to HOA sucking is, well, if you don't like it, why don't you run for the board and be part of the solution instead of the problem? because I don't want to tell somebody else what to do with their house. Well, then everybody will just have 12 used junk cars in their yard. No, they won't. No, they won't. I've owned six houses in my adult life. I have never seen that be a problem. And I have never lived in an HOA. I have never lived anywhere where anything like that was a problem. Amazingly, again, with no HOAs. If, If people... By and large, choose a, an additional layer of government in our current society that they don't want liberty. They certainly don't want more liberty. They want more restriction. They're begging for it. Um, the legislation of subjective morality. Okay, there are people that are so sick in the head they think that you know the the concept of of, of no law being made that interferes with consult- consenting adults should have adult replaced with individual. So if if you're two dudes, and you want to go get married, you want to go have sex, you want to go live together, whatever you want to do, I don't want to see it, right? I'm just being honest. I'm as open-minded as I can be. I don't really want to look at it, right? I I don't want to look at two fat people mugging on each other in the street either, really, so I choose to look the other way. But I have no problem with you doing that. Now, you want it, the Nambla, the North American man love boy, whatever the hell it is. Because I think those people are sick. I think if you want, I don't think a child is capable of consent to something like that. I guess that's my little bit of subjective reality, but I would think almost every non mentally ill individual would agree that adults should not be having sex with children. But I think just about everything else out there, when we get into the morality question, is pretty damn subjective. Because for a nation that seems so hell-bent in many places in maintaining marijuana laws, and it's not my pet issue, it's just an easy one to point out, most Americans have at some point in their life tried marijuana. I would say, I have no proof of this, I'd say it's, it, no poll will be accurate because people will lie. But I would guess, just based on the people that I know, the number would be somewhere in the 80% range. And it's amazing how many people think it needs to still be illegal, and they've done it. They just don't do it anymore. So you want somebody arrested and put in jail for something you used to do? And did you hurt anybody when you were doing this? No, but it wasn't good for me. How did you stop? Did they arrest you and make you stop? No, I just quit. Okay, so then why do we have to... Why do we have to use force on other people doing this? So that's subjective morality. You've decided it's wrong, but you haven't decided that it's wrong for you. You've decided that it's wrong for somebody else. And there's so many things like that. There's so many victimless crimes out there. Well, a person shouldn't do this. A person shouldn't do that. A person should. There's people doing shit they shouldn't do all the time. Do you want laws for everything a person shouldn't do? How many things do you do that you shouldn't do? Do you eat too much? Should we pass a law that says you have to eat a good diet because it's better for you? Because it'll cost society less money because you'll be less ill and more productive? That's stupid talk. Well, you know, they're kicking that around in some places in different ways. When the government tells you you can't buy a drink over a certain number of ounces, I mean, come on. I think if you're buying a 96 ounce soda, you got a problem. You got a sugar addiction. But it's not my business. That's my morality. It's not yours. When we put laws on the books that stem straight from religious codes that would not exist in a purely secular sense, we're legislating subjective morality. And it's all over the place. You can't advocate for for legislation of morality in the absence of a victim and tell me you want freedom. I just don't believe you. Next, the, the most tyranny that occurs, I alluded to this earlier, in America is at the lowest levels of government. Every time you hear a story like a uh, couple evicted for disconnecting from grid and installing solar panels. Okay, let me tell you the first thing. Pick your freaking battles. If I was in a place where they said it's illegal to disconnect from the grid, I wouldn't disconnect from the grid. I'd give them their five buck connection charge and not use any power. You just, you just leave the connection there and throw the main breaker to off. There's no law against that. The law is they don't want to pay the power company their, their, their extortion money. So you, you, I mean, I don't think you should have to, but I think if you're smart, you do. I don't think I should have to pay my freaking taxes, but boy, the IRS gets their quarterly payments for me on time every time. We we make sure we pay them that, because then when we do our final returns, we want to make sure we get a return instead of owing them more money for a fine for paying them the right amount of money late. So I make a, a, a tactical decision, but that's what you like. You never hear that the federal government is throwing this this family out of their house for solar panels. You never hear the federal government sent the freaking U.S. marshals in or the FBI to tear out a garden. You never hear the federal government is passing a law to make it illegal for this person to have a farm. You never hear of somebody losing their house over failure to pay dues to the federal government. You hear it in the form of the county and the city for property taxes, or HOAs for for dues. They're both forms of extortion. I didn't agree to this. I I didn't agree to this. I wasn't born into this magical social contract that you say that I'm born into. The reason this is important, though, is if you don't like the makeup of the Senate right now, and apparently like 88% of you don't, because I think the approval rating is something like 12%, but if you don't like the makeup of the Senate, it's difficult to change. It's actually pretty difficult for you to change who your, your two senator clowns are that go to the Capitol from your state, let alone the whole makeup it's very difficult to influence the presidential election. Those levels of government are, because of bureaucracy, and just because of the sheer numbers of people clamoring for what they want and the white noise around it, and the freaking popularity contest, the freaking elections are, very difficult to change. You, You can't do it. You can convince yourself you can. You can say, every vote counts. All right, yeah. You lived in like four or five states this time. About 80,000 votes counted a lot. The rest of them didn't mean jack shit. There were no other surprises. And the writing was on the wall. Anyway. But in the end, you, you each still the same monstrosity in place. If there was Hillary Clinton, we'd just have to listen to her freaking mouth. I mean, that's the one thing Donald Trump's done so far is silenced her. I was tired of hearing that shrill, cackling nonsense that comes out of her beak. Anyway, but you can't change that. But if your school board does something stupid, like starting to say parents can't walk to school and pick up their children or they'll be arrested, which has happened at the local level, how hard would it be if people really wanted freedom and liberty, if that actually offended people, to, to within one election cycle get rid of everybody? It's easy. I mean, that's something that... 50 people could band together and just start knocking on doors. Hello, ma'am, are you aware of this? Look here, and this this person here supports this. And this principal at this school, we have a petition to have this principal removed and a petition stating that you plan to vote against your school board rep if they don't do something about this problem in the next election. And, and probably two to three weeks' worth of work, and you go to the next school board meeting and you lay down a ream of paper in a town with only you know 20,000 people in it, Boom! You guys are through if you don't fix this. Boom! Fix like that. And it doesn't happen. Why? Because people are conditioned to believe that that rule must be there for a reason. I mean, if you want to see how screwed up America is, don't read all the headlines of all this shit happening. Go on social media or the comment section of blogs that post about it and don't read the people telling you how stupid it is that agree with you. Read the defense. Read the defense of these draconian things. And you realize people are completely brainwashed. And the majority of people are brainwashed. Because the majority of the brainwashed people don't comment because they don't care. The people that do the most of the white, you think you're the majority because in the comments of these things, most people seem to side with you. That's because you're on the side where people pay attention. But read the defense of this shit. there's a law that they're trying to pass now that basically would give states the right to run their own facilities, like for slaughtering poultry, exempt from the FDA and USDA, as long as the stuff is produced in the state and sold in the state, and then the states would come up with their own way of inspecting slaughter facilities to make sure it's done clean. So it's not... Oh, anybody, anywhere—it's named Bubba can open up a, a shop and and process your meat in the dirt like like that would like that would even be what that market would accept. It's basically instead of the the U.S. government saying you have to hire a person full time from the F.D. or the USDA to live at your facility, basically because that's what you have to do for poultry right now. Instead of doing that, the state would determine how to do it. And, and the proposal is that the states would generally do what's called a facilities level inspection. Which means instead of inspecting every single chicken that comes out of there, your inspector would show up at random periods and just sign off that the facilities look good. And you wouldn't necessarily know when they were coming. That doesn't sound like anarchy. You should have read the people that were opposed to it. That's what blew my mind. And it started to sink in more and more to me that the majority of people don't want freedom. And you can see it, again, because most of the tyranny happens at lower forms of government where opposition to it would be far more effective than higher levels of government. How about massive support for compulsory education? There's there's no way you have a society that's for freedom and liberty when the society believes that you should be forced to participate in state-directed education. But, Jack, you can homeschool. Jack, you can go to private schools. That's not the point. First of all, there's state to state massive differences in what it takes to be able to do those things. And there's still a great deal of state oversight. Why should it be possible for the state to arrest a parent because their kid doesn't show up for school? We live in a society where it's possible. And no matter how many solutions you propose, basically what you get is the person sticking their fingers in their ears and going la 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 la. They won't even un- they won't allow themselves to comprehend the solution. I gave a solution today on Facebook in a comment, and it was lambast. And I'll tell you the solution. It was going way to the other side for me as an anarchist, because I don't think there should be any taxes at all. And there's taxes involved in this. This was my solution. First of all, you remove <clears throat> compulsory education. 100%. There is no law that says you have to be educated. Because you can't force that anyway. You can't force, there are, there are school districts in this country with 70% dropout rates. 70% of students fail to graduate high school, which isn't exactly hard to do. 70%. Dallas has something like 56% dropout rate. They, they make it look lower <clears throat> because some of these kids disappear off the radar before they even get into high school. Right? So they, they don't report that in a total dropout. The Dallas Independent School District has something like a 56% failure to graduate. Because these kids, they just stick with it until they don't have to go anymore. And they just don't go back. Once they're 18, they don't have to go. So it's it's not working anyway. But the big thing by removing the compulsory thing is that it says the state has no right to direct how education takes place. None. That means that anybody can create a school... Well, we could have a school where children are beaten in the face with a with a with a shovel every day, Jack. You know, no. See, that violates all these other laws that already exist and have victims in it. Okay, but the the state couldn't tell a school this is a curriculum you have to follow. This is what students have to be able to do by the time they leave. No, the school would decide their own curriculum. Parents that do homeschooling would decide their completely their own curriculum. In Texas, that's what parents do right now. It works. Our homeschoolers kick the government schoolers' asses out of Texas. All over the map! College entrance, final test scores, and there's no requirements at all as to what curriculum you follow as a homeschooler in Texas. Don't tell me it doesn't work, it already works. So we just remove that first, step one. Step two. We have what they would call in healthcare the public option. If you want your kid to go to public school, we have a public school system and they get to define, the state gets to define, How that school teaches, what that curriculum is, they get to do everything that they want to do inside that school system. Now you're going, well, wait a minute, Jacket. It doesn't sound much different now, except there's no penalty for truancy. Oh, it would be very different, especially as I get to the next thing. The compulsory removal alone would create massive opportunity for people to create schools and school substitutes. If we just got out of that business, what do you have to do to open up a school? You have to make the people that you're serving your customers happy. If the parents are happy and no other laws are being broken, you're not using it as a child sweatshop or something like that, then it's, it's none your business. None your business school. Okay? But what we say is, if we're going to allow this public option to exist, but I have the right to abstain from it, since you're taking tax money from me, I should have a right to get some of my tax money back. So, we create a voucher system. That voucher system gives a parent 50% per year of what it would cost the state to educate, execute. I just uh subliminal messaging there, right? Uh, to, for the state to educate the child. So, that means in the state of Texas, for instance, we spend about $14,000 a year per student. If I take my child out of that system, you give me $7,000 a year to see to their education. Okay? And again, you don't get to define what that education looks like. I get to define what it looks like as a parent. Because most parents don't want their kids to be stupid. I take my seven grand of my kid and I go buy them the finest education I can get with that. You get to keep your $14,000, $15,000, whatever it is, to educate all of the students that show up to your system that's now voluntary. And all the rest of the money is given back in the form of tax cuts to the people paying the taxes. In the end, we would cut the cost of education in our country by about 60% if 25% of the students chose to remain in the current system and 75% left. The state would have a smaller burden, they would have smaller class sizes, it would be easier to do, and they would have more money per student than any private school does in the form of public dollars. Oh my God! That would be horrible! You don't want liberty. You don't, because that's not even liberty. But it's so much better. It's so much closer. If you think that's not better, you don't want liberty. Because the market would literally create hundreds of solutions. And little Johnny, who just can't sit still, instead of doping him up with speed so that he'll sit still, what would happen to little Johnny? Little Johnny would go to a school. That is based on moving around. That's based on interaction. That's based on touching things. That's based on doing things. You don't think you can learn math in the woods? You can when you're building a little cabin. There wouldn't be schools. There sure as hell would be schools that did that. There sure as hell would be. Well, how long should you have to go to school for? The school decides that and the parents decide that. And I'm telling you what would happen. If the average person got seven grand there would be schools that were $7,000 a year to the penny all over the place in about two years it would take for that infrastructure to roll out. There'd be online components. There'd be places for kids to go. There'd be all types of things because you wouldn't have to take your $7,000 and go to one place. And I'd say the only thing that you'd have to do to get your voucher is document where the money was spent so it could be audited. And again, I don't even think you should have to do that. I don't even think you should get the $7,000. I'm working as a pragmatist in this shitty system we have. And a redneck duck farmer from Texas, the son of a coal miner, and the son of a sailor, right, just gave you a better solution than anything we have. They don't want a better solution because they want you stupid inside their system where they get to program you. And the support for this system is proof people don't want freedom. How about the overreaction to every tragedy? Every time there's a tragedy, some sort of mass shooting or something, oh, we gotta do something, think, we have to do something, we have to do something. And even the people, like when there's a shooting, you know what the left wants? More gun control, more gun control, more gun control. But the right says, well, we don't need more gun control, we need this, this, and this, but there's, we have to do something. You know what? Sometimes people die. Now, if, if, if certain actions can be taken to, to lessen that, okay? But we lose our shit, because five people are shot. Well, on the same day, across the country, hundreds of people died in car wrecks. No one gives a shit. No one cares. Someone kidnaps somebody and they're a pretty little white girl from a suburban neighborhood. Everybody loses their shit. don't the think about the, the, the hundreds of kids every day that disappear. It's all wrong. And trust me, in a society that I advocate, there'd be less of that. There would be a lot less of that. Because there would be no reprisal to me if I took you out for doing something sick like that. I'm just saying. We won't see that in our lifetime, so it's not worth worrying about. But the overreaction, the call for government to do something, that's why we have the Patriot Act. Passed under a Republican. It sounded good. It's the Patriot Act. It's all patriotic and stuff. Yeah, they're they're digging in all your shit. No, they're not. And then when it comes out under Obama that that's what they were doing all along, then you think it's bad. You knew that's what they were doing before, but your mafia boss was in control, so you thought it was okay. You want freedom. How people react when you say, I'm not going to vote. Oh my God. There, There is an almost violent reaction to, I'm not going to vote. I refuse to vote. Not from everybody, but from a lot of people. And it, it it's on both sides. You could have someone tell you, you have to vote for candidate A. Candidate A, candidate A, candidate A, candidate A. And, and you're like, well, uh here's all the problems I have with candidate A. And this is why I can't vote for it. And if you're going to vote for candidate B, which you're opposed to. They'll keep arguing with you why their guy's better. They will, but they don't get all upset about it. They don't like demand that you have a duty to vote for candidate A. But when you say, "Listen, just this is irrelevant," because I'm not voting for this person either, and they go, "What are you going to do? Waste your vote on a third party?" And then they'll argue with you about that. until you go, "Listen, I'm not voting for anybody. None of these people have a right to my endorsement. I'm not going to vote." There's an article I wrote quite a few years ago the midterm elections last time called why I'm not going to vote in the comic elections. I'll put a link in the show notes. Go read the comments from this audience because I said I wouldn't vote. And if you, if you really wanted to track it down on Facebook, Oh my, when I got outside of this audience, I was called of all kinds of things. I was called a surrender monkey, a surrender monkey, whatever the hell that is, because I refused to, to participate in the mass delusion That my vote means a damn thing. And people get violent over it. If you get upset, if you get more upset that I won't vote, then I would vote against you, you don't want liberty. People fought and died for your right to vote. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. I'm pretty sure I'm here willing to lay down my life so that Bob back home can vote said no war veteran ever. Especially once the shit starts. Just saying. But if people died for my right to vote, they also died for my right not to vote. See, when you tell me I have a duty to vote, you're saying that all the people that are listed for a particular office, one of them is entitled to it. One of them is entitled to my vote. Well, I don't feel that way. Unless you give me someone that I feel is worthy of my endorsement, I'm not going to vote. Unless you give me an action that I can vote for or against that I feel is worthy, I'm not going to vote. So if you put a referendum on the Texas ballot that would be for the legalization of marijuana, I'll go vote for it. Because I am removing a power from government. If you gave me a candidate that even wasn't far enough for me, but truly espoused libertarian principles, I'll vote for them. But you give me Gary Johnson? Are you kidding me? What a complete disaster. You give me two former Republican governors as a libertarian candidate for president, and the one's high all the time and actually speaking better of Hillary Clinton than he is of himself? you, you give me a person that claims to be a libertarian that thinks I should be forced to bake a cake for somebody? I you know, I mean good God. Good god. And most real libertarians were sickened by that, by the way. You could tell it by the polling numbers. This was this was the election that libertarians should have done really good in. And they didn't. And there's a reason. They didn't run a libertarian. Anyway, the way people act when you say you're not gonna vote. And then violent defense of the system they claim to hate. And when I say violence, I don't necessarily mean people marching in the streets and burning down shit, though that happens. I mean what I was just talking about, but to another level. If you start telling somebody, well, we need less government, they'll, a lot of times they'll agree until you start actually, you know, saying, well, where could we cut something? And they'll damn near look like they want to slit your throat when you point out things like, well, our largest single expense is the Department of Defense. Oh, you can't do that. Ah, And they get mad. They get angry. Well, wait a minute. If we're going to make government smaller, it makes sense to look at the largest expenditures and say there has to be something in there that can be cut. There just has to be. When we spend more on defense than the next 10 nations in the world put together, there's some room. We could have probably have a bigger military with more capabilities for less money if we really wanted to. A lot less. Like 10, 20% less, which is a lot of money when you're talking about, what, $700, $800 billion now? But just go, go, start going through the list. We could cut the Department of Education. Oh, not my schools. Oh, not my school department. My roads. My roads. That's really not the, you know, come on. People will violently defend the state. At the same time, they claim to hate the state. He loved Big Brother and he hated Big Brother. We're there. We've been there a long time. 1984 wasn't about the future. 1984 was about reality, the present. And I'll, I'll throw this in here at the end. The absolute rejection of Ron Paul. Ron Paul was... Absolutely rejected. And I know you say, look at his rallies. Okay, I want to explain some of you. Look how well Bernie Sanders did against Hillary Clinton. He almost took her out. He almost took her out. And look how Ron Paul did. In reality. I know a lot of the Ron Paul followers, and I support Ron Paul as much as I can from a standpoint of there's certain things that, especially since he's retired, that really bother me. Um, aligning with somebody like Porter Stansbury, that guy's a sleaze merchant. I don't know, maybe maybe Ron's a little more naive than we think, and it just didn't seem as bad as it was to him. I, I don't know. I, I I'd like to believe that. But when it came to an opportunity to put somebody in the White House that would actually look at the American people and say, I will do everything I can to increase your freedom and liberty. I would say 95% rejected him. Because he did about 10%. About 10% in the polls. But that was of Republicans. There's almost no Democrats. Democrats. Did, did, like crossed the line in states where you can and said, I'm going to vote Republican to support Ron Paul. So cut it in half. So 5% of the population, even if it's 10, it goes right with what I said, maybe 10% of this country is actually legitimately in their heart and souls, whether they know it or not, libertarian. I remember when I first found out about Ron Paul. It was from a YouTube video somebody put together, I think it was about 19, sorry, 2006. And I'd already made the change to libertarianism myself, but I didn't believe there were any libertarians in government. And then I realized, in spite of the fact that he runs as a Republican, this guy's a libertarian. And I learned about his record. I learned about how every vote always matched what he said. I read about how he had never taken a junket, which is a trip overseas, on taxpayer expense. Everything I read, even the things I didn't completely agree with, showed me a guy committed to freedom and liberty. A man that said we don't even need an income tax. A guy that said in 2006, if we would roll back spending to 1999 levels, when we had plenty of government, we could eliminate the individual income tax and still pay for everything. And if I get elected, one of the first things I'll do is abolish the IRS. And people said, no, I don't want that. She don't want freedom. My roads, my schools. Oh, oh, my God. So, what does all this mean? This is why I walked away from politics, not just as a voter. Not just as a former candidate, I ran for office as a libertarian in the state of Texas. Um, not just mentally, but even as a show host that talks about issues that line up with this. This is why I, I make no case for anyone. This is why I don't bother, in the beginning, if you listen to early shows, like you got to call your, your senator and congressman and shut this thing down or whatever. And I don't even do that anymore. Because I realize something. If this audience grows to a million, and I think it could happen. I don't know. You know, when you, when you do a show like I do and you, you get over that, you know, 100,000, 150,000 number, it gets really hard to grow much larger, much faster. Cause you're going to have people come in and out, you know, and you, you kind of plateau a bit. Uh, you can start, you can still grow, but it's, it's no, but even if we hit a million people, there's, cause there's a million of us out there easy. It's, it's, it's not enough to turn the tide. Politically, it's not enough to work without action. It's where I realized that I did more good by teaching someone how to start a business by a bird that crafts an egg out. than I would ever do telling you who to vote for or who to call and complain about or how to fight a piece of legislation. That personally for me, I could do more good teaching someone how to grow their own food or how to grow a business. How to do both. Or how to set their mind free from this programming. How to recognize and identify propaganda and realize it's everywhere. I mean, all you got to do is, is watch the shows that are on law enforcement. And they're rife with pro government propaganda. We like the show Criminal Minds. But boy, I love it now when my wife goes and does that woman eye roll thing that no man can do, right? Um, during an episode. And I don't even have to say it because I know she saw it. Man, I love that. Yeah, she gets it. America! Right? I love that. But I can do more by teaching you about that than than, than compelling you that, well, we have to vote for this person because of the lesser of two evils. I'll be honest. While I did not participate in this election, and I refuse to, and I will not endorse Donald Trump as President of the United States, when he won, I was happier than I would have been had Hillary Clinton won. Absolutely. That's because you're more right-leaning. Well, in some ways, maybe. In some ways, maybe. But I don't know. Whenever I take those tests that I talk about, I always come out as a left-leaning libertarian, which I find odd because I don't consider myself that. But that's just how those tests always come out. So that's the principle of of the the concept of left-leaning libertarian. I don't want anybody to divorce it, though. You know, should everybody have food and clean water? Sure, yeah. But the question is not asked, should you be required to provide it to them? Because then I would answer that differently. So I think you're skewed. That's why I mocked them a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I don't think we should be able to just destroy the environment. I don't think that people should be hungry and starve. I believe there's better ways to solve those problems because we have people hungry and starving right now and we're destroying the environment right now. So don't tell me we can't do better. Don't tell me a different system couldn't do better. But I realized that I could do more for everything that I cared about by walking away. It's 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 a movie theater. And I've seen this movie many times. There's still popcorn and sticky soda residue on the floor and things that are far worse. And they've just gotten done with the coming attractions and they're about to play the same movie for me again. And you might boo and jeer that I get up and leave the seat and walk out the exit door but I've left you peacefully behind to watch that movie if that's what you want to do. But I ask you, what will it gain you? What will it do for you? How will it make your life better? How will it make your children's lives better? Do you think you're the reason Donald Trump won if you are pro-Trump? I guess if you're from a few states, you at least contributed a little bit. If you're from Wisconsin or something, yeah. You're from Texas, California. Yeah, had no impact. Do you think your kids' lives will be better under Donald Trump than Hillary Clinton? I'll be honest, as a pragmatist, I think they might be. I think there's a lot of things this guy might do if given half a chance that could be better than what we have. It'll still be terrible. It'll still be egregious. It'll still be trampling liberty. They're they're grilling Jeff Sessions right now. I watched a little bit of it before they vote on him for Attorney General. I haven't heard anybody ask him about marijuana. You know, are you going to go, I mean, my question would be, as Attorney General, are you going to turn on on, on states like Colorado, where people have legitimate businesses sanctioned by their states, and go in and interfere using federal overreach? Is that what you're going to do? Because, you know, you said things like, no good person uses marijuana. It's a pretty broad brush there, Jeff. Oh, I meant the Honorable Senator. I'd call him Jeff. You work for me, jagass. Don't 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 tell me to call you honorable anything. You're not honorable just because a bunch of people put you in charge. But I realized again, guys, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. We have to pay attention to it so we know how it's going to affect us. But it's going to come out the same way. And if we want to affect real change, we have to do it in our own lives. We have to demonstrate liberty. We have to model liberty. So I'll tell you what's gonna, what, what actually is done more for marijuana legalization was the first state doing it. And the world didn't end. The world didn't fall apart. People start looking at it going, well, wait a minute. All these things they said would, would, you know, explode didn't. It amazes me that we, we had to fight so hard for open carry in Texas. And, and, and the, the, the people losing their shit over it and going, guys, there's a lot of other states that already have this. Go there and look. And in the end, I think that's what finally got it done. And they're taking another run at constitutional carry here. Meaning, if you want to carry a gun, you carry a gun. You follow the law, you carry a gun. You're going to choose to carry a gun. We don't have to make you learn the law. You're expected to know the law. And if you don't, you're going to have a problem. We can't do that. Other states do it. They're not falling apart. Look at Vermont. People look at you sideways because you hit the automatic lock on your car, unless there was, you know, unless you're in, uh, um what's that city I flew into? Uh, Burlington. If you're outside of Burlington or Montpelier and you pull into a, a, a gas station and you go in the store and on the way in the store you hit the, the, the key fob and the car beeps, people look at you like, that guy's not from here, right? They have the most liberal gun laws in the country. It's, 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 it's not liberal gun laws. Did cause problems. It's cultures and societies that cause problems. So who knows, maybe that'll happen. And, and that's what I'll participate. If there's a referendum on that, I'll go vote for it. But that's probably not what's going to happen. Our state senate's going to do it. Our state house is going to do it. Those two clowns, my senator and my house guy, they're going to keep their jobs until they don't want it anymore. They're not going anywhere. I mean, I'm in a, 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 a district for both that's 85% Republican. They forget about it. It's not even worth worrying about. It. What can you do? Because when you do something that wows people, when people say, you built a business in your car? Yep. With what? $20 tape recorder and an old headset. And a, and a, a $15 a month web hosting account. And that pays all your bills? Yep. How'd you do that? Huh. <laughs> Open audience, right? You make somebody else do that. You want somebody to fight fight taxation? <laughs> get, get them into owning their own business so they, they know all of the expenses. They know everything that goes into it. All of a sudden, taxation isn't fair anymore because it's not somebody else's money. In the end, it's up to you. See, I am an actual voluntarist. And what I mean by that is I will not tell you you're wrong because you want to continue to exist inside the state. I'll tell you where you're wrong is supporting my obligation to stay with you. To say, I don't have a right to opt out. But if that's what you want, if you want a society like that, then I want you to be able to have it. Because I don't have, as a a, a true anarchist, as a true voluntarist, it is the only political ideology where we have an exclusion of the use of force to coerce people to follow our ideology. If you are a Democrat, you are for the use of force to enforce your ideology because that's how the system works. You, Your side wins, they pass laws, people that don't comply with those laws are threatened by men with guns until they comply or until they're arrested. And a Republican is the same thing. Your side passes laws. Yes, they may repeal some, but they also pass them. And you're saying if you don't comply with my will, then I will use force, or more accurately, since I'm too cowardly to use force, I will ask others to use force on my behalf. As a voluntarist, I can't do that. I can only win you over with ideas and my case for what I'm doing. And if you want to stay, Inside this system, if I if, if I mean what I say, I have to be okay with that. And I have to say, I just so far have not done a good enough job explaining my side. I have not demonstrated sufficiently that what I advocate works. I have not proven my case. And it's up to me to work harder to prove my case. I can't use a gun. I can't use the threat of a gun. I can't use another guy with a gun. I can't use any sword or spear or knife or gun or weapon or apparatus of force to compel you to embrace my idealism. Because I actually believe in freedom and liberty. Do you? Does most people? Something to think about. With that, if you like the show and the work that I do, please consider supporting me by joining the Members Support Brigade. You can do that by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking on Members to learn more. For just $50 a year that comes out to $0.18.3 cents an episode, you'll get discounts to over 70 companies selling things you're probably buying anyway. I would reckon, I would reckon that most people in this audience could join the MSB, check out all of the vendors there, make note of who they are what they do, print that out, keep a list, and say to yourself, self, whenever I need something, before I go buy it somewhere else, I'm going to see if somebody here provides it and if there's a discount on it. And if you did that for a year, I would reckon most of you would get at least 150 to $200 in discounts for a product that's 50 bucks. That's what I put together with the MSB. And I know some of you say, I don't even care, Jack. I just want to support you. That's okay, too. I believe in voluntary association. If you think the content's valuable, if you think it's worth listening to, if you think it's worth a couple of dimes an episode, consider joining. Go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members. And those of you that have served us at home or abroad by joining the military, uh, by being in the Peace Corps or by being a first responder like law enforcement or firemen or paramedics, EMT, any of those things, you all qualify for a service discount. You just uh, email me with TSPC service discount in the subject line. Tell me about your service in one or two sentences and do that before, or not after you join. And I'll send you the discount code to save even more money on an already great product. Then, a super duper easy way to support us is most of you buy stuff from time to time on Amazon. Whenever you're going to buy something from Amazon, I just ask that you do something for me. Go to TSPAZ.com 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 when you do you'll see a link when you see that link it says click here to go to amazon click that link go to amazon buy your stuff that's it that's all you got to do it's very easy and because i don't believe in just asking people to do things this is why i do the item of the day i believe that my job is to bring you information to make you more informed and to give you more options than you had before so every day i bring you an item of the day Today's item of the day is Healing Solutions Peppermint Essential Oil. I'm a big fan of essential oils. And I'll tell you this, the truth. This Healing Solutions, I'm sitting here holding a bottle of it in my hand right now. It is the first essential oil I've bought from this company. And in general, as long as I'm buying a true essential oil, I don't care where I get it from. Because as long as it's a real essential oil, it's going to work. How do you know if it's a real essential oil? This is important. This is what I'm about bringing information. You read the ingredients. And, uh, it should have nothing but oil distilled from whatever it is. If it's, if it's, if it's oregano essential oil, it should have oregano in it. They might have the Latin name, but that's the only thing. If it says any other oil, then it's not a true essential oil unless it's a blend. If it's peppermint and lavender, and it's got those two things, and it's essential oil. But if you see something like extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil or something like that, what you have is a diffused oil. Possibly infused with essential oil. But it won't be as strong, it won't be as powerful, it won't be as good as a real essential oil. But like I said, I, I had not bought this brand before. I, th- I think the most important thing that I'm putting out today in my article is what I just gave you. Not the brand, but how to know that you're getting a real essential oil. Now, the reason I chose this one, it was available for one day delivery last night. Guaranteed to be here by today. And uh, for free. As long as the order was over 35 bucks, and my wife wanted something for our grandkids. So that made it an easy choice. I knew it was a real essential oil. It got here. But then I got to try it and say, yeah, this is, you you know. When you go with peppermint essential oil, you take one whiff, you know. Why did I want it that fast? I've been doing my best to keep it from you guys from a voice standpoint, but I have a head cold right now. My wife has infected me with some cold that she had last week. She's over it. Now I got it. And I can't breathe to sleep at night. I mean, through my nose. I can breathe through my mouth, obviously. Nobody wants to be a mouth breather, right? You've probably seen that commercial. But it's really hard for me to breathe through my nose. You take a couple whiffs of peppermint oil, and in most instances, it really opens up the sinuses. What I do is I take a little bit on the tip of my finger and put it like right at my nose holes, and, and that really does a lot to open up my nose holes. We had run out of this, or actually, we have some of this somewhere we couldn't find it. It got put away. So I wanted it quick, so I chose to get it. So I usually share stuff with you that I actually use myself, in this case, peppermint essential oil. The other thing I like peppermint essential oil for is if I have a headache, especially not a raging headache, but when you're just starting to get it, like, oh, I'm going to have a headache, you know, or maybe you had a little too much adult uh, beverage the night before, not a lot, but just a little bit. You just feel a little lethargic and a little bit of that head. A couple whiffs of of peppermint oil and a walk outside, you generally feel better. It's energizing. I have an article I linked to with 25 uses for it. And with you know essential oils, you might want to get a diffuser. I have a link to the one I think is probably the, the best value on Amazon in the article as well, uh, which is basically just the thing. You put some essential oil in it, it sprays it into the air, and makes the house smell good. Uh, you might want to consider it, and you might want to learn more about them. I'll be doing a show on essential oils in the future. Uh, I want to point out I'm not claiming that essential oils cure or treat any disease, I just am telling you what I use them for and my results, and I have to say that to protect myself from the state that's out there to protect you. By you know, it, it, let me tell you something. If someone went out and wrote an article claiming that vitamin C cures scurvy, and they weren't a doctor, and they were doing it for the purpose of selling vitamin C, even though it's a completely true statement, the vitamin C they're selling now becomes a drug according to the FDA, and it's it's illegal for them to do it. Even though they're telling you the truth, that's your government protecting you because you want freedom, right? Anyway, check out uh, Essential Walls. And again, I will be doing a show on them uh, probably within a, within a month or two. I'll be doing a show. i want to take some time and and, and actually learn more uh, about them so I can bring you some new information because we have talked about them before. Batispaz.com, in order to support the Survival Podcast, easy, painless, cost-free way to do so. Last but not least, let's talk about our song of the day. You know, when it comes to the the, the, the epitome of freedom, I don't think any American icon represents freedom the way cowboys did. Back in the days when cowboys were really cowboys and just out on the range, it was anarchy. There's no law to enforce, you know, what's going on. You had a foreman that was put in charge, and if he didn't do a good job out on the range, he could have been taken out, you know? People had to work out their own problems. But there was... So much space, so much freedom, and a job to do that you wanted to do. At least that's the, that's the storybook version of a cowboy. And when I say the, the, the icon of that, that's what I'm talking about, the storybook version. But cowboy life is tough. It's hard. It makes hard men. And recently I've told you I'm going to play some more old stuff, you know, Willie, Waylon, Johnny Cash, stuff like that. And man, I'll tell you what. I played recently, My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys, and I've always loved that song. But the song, the cowboy song, I think as a kid I always loved the most, was Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be Cowboys. And I think my favorite version of all time is the duet with Waylon and Willie together. Both of them did individual versions of the song, but they did the song together. That's what I'm going to play for you now. And sometimes I wonder, maybe we should want our babies to grow up to be cowboys. At least in some way. The attitude. The belief that anything worth doing can be done. If you want to restore liberty to this country. Restore that attitude. Because then people won't say, well, someone else should do it. We need the government to do it. People that believe that anything worth doing can be done have faith in their ability to get it done and their fellow man's ability to get it done. They don't need force and coercion to sell the idea if the idea is worth doing. And if the idea is worth doing, it can be done. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life. Times get tougher, even if they don't. Cowboys ain't easy to love and they're harder to hold. They'd rather give you a song than diamonds or gold. Long star belt buckles and old faded Levi's, and each night begins a new day. If you don't understand him, he don't die young. He'll probably just ride away. Moms, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Don't let them pick guitars that drive them old. Let them be doctors and lawyers and such Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys Cause they never stay home and they're always alone Even with someone they love Cowboys like smoky old pool rooms and clear mountain mornings Little warm puppies and children and girls of the night Them that don't know him won't like him And them that do sometimes won't know how to take him He ain't wrong, he's just different But his pride won't let him do things To make you think he's right Mama, don't let your baby